Hey, Jesse Paul Smith here, my creative district. We've got another amazing episode for you today. I'm bringing on my good friend, Carlton, CEO of Collision Drumsticks, all the way across the pond there in the UK. Um, this guy is an awesome dude. Not only does he uh, run and own the largest drumstick company in the UK and Europe, but he also has this amazing program where he helps the underdog and grassroots artists build a platform to help them absolutely crush it. This guy has supported over a thousand artists in over 80 countries. He has 200 artists as a part of an exclusive team collision. And we talk about how he built all of this bootstrapping it at age 16. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Let's get to it. Welcome to another episode of the My Creative District podcast, where we discuss how to channel your creative power into building the life you want, building the business you want, and making the impact you want. We believe creatives can live out a passionate and fulfilled life when they completely embrace their unique design and purpose. Want to turn your passion into profit? Stay tuned to hear from industry professionals, paradigm shifters, and world changers who have done just that and live it every day. This is the My Creative District podcast with your host, Jesse Paul Smith. All right. I am super excited to welcome to My Creative District podcast, my good friend Carlton, all the way from across the pond at Collision Drumsticks. What's up, brother? Good to see you. Thank you so much, Jesse, for having me on. Really good. Yeah, everything's going really well. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Now, I am super excited to get into this conversation, partially because you and I are both musicians. But, you know, the fact of what you're doing in the space, I find is extremely cool. But, you know, the thing that I think is super cool about your journey is that, man, you started touring super early on as a drummer. And, and, and I ch- I've checked out your stuff. You, you got some chops, brother. I like, to, I like to see it. So tell me, how did that all get started? Because I know it was early on for you. Yeah. So thank you so much for checking that out. Really appreciate that. So huge. Thank you. Um, in terms of kind of my starting point, yeah, very unconventional. So, you know, to many musicians, it started a little bit later in life. I know these days, I mean, it's super conventional with the baby drummers of the world and, you know, the kids coming out of the womb playing the instruments. But for me, it was starting point was about six, seven years old, Jesse, you know, um, tried many different hobbies, tried the, the soccer or the football, you know, in the UK, wasn't too good at that. Wasn't my thing. Again, tried a different instrument even before I played the drums, which was guitar. Like many of us, kind of easy access, um, low cost. You know, typically, you know, you can grab one at a music store locally. So I tried that. Smoke on the water did not happen. You know, not not, not my type of gig. Um, long story short, went into the corner of the room. That's where it ever remained and forever remained. And then again, just really started trialing different instruments with the support of, you know, friends and, and certainly family. And then over a period of about 12 months, really started to find my feet with different instruments. Eventually, I kind of showed my mom and dad the rhythm was within me and, you know, kind of has, you know, really kind of, you know, suggested, you know, a drum set might be cool. And eventually seven years old came seventh birthday right after Christmas. And I like to call this kind of my origin story. I know each of us, yourself included, as musicians, we all have that, whether it's playing or seeing the drum set or the kit for the first time or instruments for the first time. And for me, it was coming downstairs, you know, opening different presents right after, right after Christmas with it being January, super cold outside. And mom and dad going, 
we've got another present for you, but you're going to have to come outside in the garage. And I was like, it's freezing. Like, what's going on? It's like 30 degrees out. I'm like, uh, are you sure about that? So a long story short, went in, door opened. It was like, you know, a kid in a candy store. I was like, wow, seeing this five-piece starter set for the first time, I was hooked, right? I was like, it does not matter from this point on what instrument comes my way. I want to be a drummer. You know, that is it. The be all, the end all. I want to be the guy keeping the beat behind the band, keeping the rhythm to the tracks, to the the, the show, really. And, um, you know, tried playing around with the kit, realized I needed some support. And, I, and then eventually I said, I need some drum lessons. And really, it was just seeing the, the drum set, the love kind of just immediately, like just seeing it from sight, just thinking to myself, this is what I want to do. You know, regardless of whether it's my job, whether regardless it's something that I pursue, I want to pursue it full time, you know, long term, you know, throughout the rest of my life. So that's kind of how I got my start when it comes to my music. Yeah, really, really excited, really passionate about what I'm doing. Now, regardless of how much your parents supported you beyond that, we're going to talk about that in a second. But anybody that knows anything about drums know that a parent that is willing to give their six or seven year old a drum set, listen, they're supporting you. My first instrument that I ever got to play was a drum set. I had an uncle that I completely idolized, except your drum set was a lot cooler than mine because mine was literally a Pac-Man drum set with paper heads and they quickly got destroyed, like probably like four or five months after I got the kit, but playing and smashing drums in your home, your parents have to have a lot of patience because you don't have a lot of drum, you know, experience. The rhythm's not all there. The sounds aren't all that great, but how like beyond them, beyond them buying you the kit, like how did they support your journey as a drummer? In every single aspect, Jesse, in terms of kind of, you know, giving me a start, my, my family, you know, my, my dad's um, third generation, well, second generation self-made man, me being third generation um, self-made businessman, mom, um, not musically inclined, nor my dad, but very creative driven dancers and, you know, passionate athletes, passionate about just giving their kids, you know, every opportunity they possibly could. So again, credit goes to them for kind of giving me every opportunity. And when it came to being artistic, you know, we, we had complete creative control, you know, being able to draw, doodle, you know, create art, you know, I, I would often kind of get the, the notebooks and the paints and just go at it and realizing that they really championed every aspect of whatever I was doing, whether it was the arts or whether it was the music as well within that. So yeah, they completely backed um, the fact that I was into my music, even at school, because we have like some school, pro. I know in the States, you, you guys have school programs as well around, you know, and dedicated to you know, pushing performers and pushing young individuals within music. So for me, I didn't really go to drum uh, school. I kept school and, and education, you know, and music as two separate entities. But when it came to kind of third party, you know, private tuition, they would always kind of support me in that as well. So yeah, very, very fortunate, Jesse, very blessed to be in a position to do that and um, for those guys to be able to do that. And then when it came to where I live, kind of, uh, I'm in the region. So it's uh, Northeast UK. It's about three hours North of London. So where I live, we're, uh, it's, it's, it's an old farm and um, that was converted. So thankfully, no neighbors to worry about that type of thing as well. So parents are super understanding. So that's as far as it goes with regards to all of that. Yeah. So yeah, every aspect, Jesse, very supportive in terms of all my endeavors, as well as, you know, music, business. Um, I went, you know, and I know we, we'll get to that, but law school and things as well. So, you know, everything that I wanted to do, um, it was accessible to me and available to me. So yeah, I could not fault anything. Um, or anyone when it came to the support I was provided. So let's talk about, you know, I know you started touring early on. And I'm, I mean, you know, when we were talking touring, though, what kind of touring were you doing? 
And my biggest question is, how did you even get into it at such a young end, young age? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really interesting one. So in terms of how I got into it, um, it was really from the the support of the the folks, the parents. Really, it was you know being able to say, look. I don't know the first thing about drumming, but I'm passionate about what I do. So, you know, how do I get on stage? I was just excited. I was just motivated to, to really perform play shows, things like that. So I, you know, I said, can I get some lessons? And they saw that within me, ended up getting me some lessons. And long story short, whilst I was getting these lessons, my tutor, um, her name being Rachel, a female artist, musician, in her own right, incredibly successful. She was playing regional shows and touring and playing weekenders, things like that. And I think it was kind of the jealous part of me as a seven-year-old. I was like, whatever she was doing, I wanted to do it better, faster, stronger. I just wanted to be her like Rachel, you know. I was like, oh, I just want to do it, right? And um, and it didn't matter how, you know. If I could have been a roadie, right, at seven years old, to, even if it was a stick bag or a carry on the drum set, you know, that I would do it. And, um, you know, just that passion and that obsession, which I think we all have as musicians, kind of led me into thinking, right, the next step from here would be to be a part of a band. So like most of us started auditioning, looking for opportunities. And there was a band that was really popular regionally. And it was called uh, the little giants. And these guys were really famous in the area for being a younger band, you know, cause traditionally, right. You know, as, as you've alluded to, it's mainly the older demographic that are playing shows, performing, have the income to do it, have the, the time to do it, you know? So, so naturally that's left to the, those guys. For, for the younger generation, it's like, this is unheard of. And kind of, again, the ageism and the things come through. But to that point, I was passionate about just jumping on where I could. Now, I had seen these guys and met them regularly. And they, the band was set up and it was formed already. So I could, there was little I could do. But there was a line of change. And I said to myself, well, if there ever was, I would love to be kept in mind for that. And they did. They kept me in mind. A mutual friend was auditioning for the guitar lead and I was auditioning for the drum lead. And it was just that passion. And for me, the confidence side, I kind of put myself in for it. And then I was like, oh, should I have, you know, oh gosh, you know, what happens if they don't like me? Because at seven years old, right? You're a kid still. So you think, oh gosh, the, you know, is the dynamic of the band that they're going to enjoy my style? Am I going to be good enough for them? So naturally as drummers, we're the humble musician in the back of the room, right? So we just think all of this, the ends of the world's happening. So Again, ended up, thankfully, whatever happened, happened, got the gig. Um, as we say in the industry, landed the position as drummer, lead drummer for those guys, and then ended up playing, I think we had about 50 shows booked because those guys, um, the, the bass, what happened was, that, sorry, the lead guitarist and the uh, drummer had left. And there were all these books and, and dates in the diary, all these gigs booked, and they were looking for quick artists who could come in, learn the set and go. And I had two weeks to learn, I think, 45 songs at seven years old and yeah it's a kind of a lot to take on board so yeah very very um you know long nights uh you know early mornings late nights kind of figuring out you know school went to the sidelines for a little while thankfully the parents were all happy with that and not supportive of that and again made the homework on time and, and got the gig and made that happen as well so the shows started coming thick and fast weekenders biker rallies festivals locally and then eventually kind of got out of town and things like that and then got hooked onto um two three five day and um, two is things like that as well so yeah really really special for me at a time where again it wasn't available to many many youngsters did that uh touring opportunity give you the ability to to get more gigs how long did you start touring as a youngster and did you do it into your high school days like what did that all look like 
So I was um, with that project exclusively for about a decade. So it was a long time. Yeah. So that, that one project. That's a long run. Yeah. For, yes. For one project, very long. We did have line of changes in between, but fewer and far between than you'd anticipate, especially within the lineup within the band. Because I always say bandmates, uh, bandmates second best friends first, right? You've got to be in that positive friendship dynamic to make it happen, right? But then eventually things things do happen, you know, personalities change and clash and you know now is the time to kind of step away for me i was always kept in the band because again i always made sure i was there on time or showed up the integrity so i was so important and again really important it was businessmen and, and creatives alike but when it came to the touring side of things it did get challenging when it came to school so there was a lot of opportunities provided to us but there was a lot that we had to kind of turn down off the back of kind of schooling short and you know kind of remembering and reminding the audience there was four or five of us at any one time all in school. So you've got to remember kind of there's a lot of artists who parents were involved, family, friends, you know, and everyone kind of had their input per se. Everyone was incredibly supportive of the band, but it didn't, they didn't want it to intervene with the school, the education side of the kids. Understandably, you know, obviously. So we worked around kind of weekends and um, summer holidays as well. We would book kind of shows as well um, with the support of friends and family. They became our roadies, Jesse, right? They were with us kind of morning, noon and night gear set up packed downs um and we were last one out the venues for, for many an occasion but um went went so far as south as uh, manchester as north as scotland so two three hours south two three hours north and and did that and then started you know really focusing on kind of the recording side and started putting out eps and things like that as well so tried to do it all in a short space of time. 10 years traveled fast when you had school high school middle school college and yeah, everything in between. And then once we got to college, kind of that's where we called it a day. But yeah, a decade's worth of memories is just incredible to look at, uh, you know, back on. And scrapbooks for days is, is the thing I always say, scrapbook everything. Yeah, yeah. Now I want to talk about this next chapter because arguably, I mean, you said that you're really passionate about being on stage. You were like, listen, I want to be a drummer. This is what I want to do. And you were in a spot where most people would just absolutely die to be in. Like from the age of seven, you know, I think of my friend Jason Hampton, who was a part of, you know, the Mickey Mouse uh, Club in the early 90s or, you know, David Cater, who, you know, I've had the privilege of meeting those guys and they start performing at an early age. That only feeds the bug. They don't want to like stop you took a really different turn because you decided, listen, I'm going to go to law school. I'm not going to pursue music on the, you know, on the traditional side of things. I'm sure you still chopped it up on your, on your, you know, drum pad or your kick or whatever, your, your kit or whatever, but you went and pursued law school. What was it that made you decide to go that route instead of pursuing music full time? Oh, it's such a, it's such a head and heart question because for me, it was a case of, my heart always ran with the music or ran with my hobbies and interests outside of music. I was an advocate, you know, an advocate for swimming. I was massive swimmer. I was doing that, you know, competitively as well. And I kind of had that earlier than the law school side of thing. I kind of had that in, in, in a fight around that. Should I do swimming? You know, I was, I was going places with that. I was also going places with the band, eventually kind of the band winning um, and taking over and the music kind of taking lead on that. And then for me, I would say, in terms of like mom and dad, you know, being, you know, individuals who never had the chance to go to, you know, college, you know, I never kind of pursued anything north of kind of a community, like kind of we have then um, vocational courses that you can take, you know, pre-college. 
and those guys, you know, did really well in credit, you know, for setting, setting myself, my sister up as well and the sibling. Um, for me, I just wanted to, to make mom and dad proud, the family proud as well, be the first person within my immediate family to go to, you know, college and do that. So I think it was the fact that I had always kept, first of all, school and music as two separate entities because I never wanted to see my music or my creations become a chore or to do. I think that coupled with the fact that I wanted to do something and give back to them and say, you know, this was... I could do it. I could have done it. And I did do it. And I think it was that kind of motivation inside that I wanted to prove it to myself. I wanted to prove it to them as well. And, and I think that was powerful. I think that really helped me. I, do I regret it? No, absolutely not. Because I think I learned a lot whilst I was at college that actually helped aided me when it came to the music side. And I think that's now helping others um, along the way. So yeah, it was, it was a, a detailed um, and a difficult decision to make as well because the momentum of the band was building and I know certain members of the band were, regardless of what I was doing or anyone else, they were pursuing it full-time as well. And they had, and I was still pursuing it full-time and, you know, singer and I wish Jack every success with that. He's on to new projects as well and new endeavours, touring and playing shows. And I, I don't feel like I suffered as a musician by not doing that, I think I pivoted in the way that actually full circle, Jesse, kind of where I have now positioned myself. I think I'm as blessed. And I've always just seen it from a sense of gratitude and a place of gratitude and love rather than a, a sense or a place of resentment. So kind of, yeah, I would have, should have, could have never put myself in that position, never give it any thought at all. Um, I don't think it warrants it. And I don't think, yeah, I just, I think for me, it was, it was the right place, right time, right thing to do. Yeah. So let's talk about, collision drums because did the collision drumsticks thing did that start to happen during college was it after college or how did that all come about so pre-college <laughs> okay even so more, yeah, pre-college. Even, even all right. more, yeah so yeah it was a unbelievable story as well kind of me just again just kind of put myself in a position to experience this was like wow just kind of reflecting on this right now it's just a powerful moment but in its essence, Collision came around because I was a young drummer seeking opportunities. I mean, in terms of my, my family, incredibly supportive, but no one in my family immediately. Um, my, my cousin was a big influence to my music early on. He was the individual that got me into the guitar in the first place. He'd been a bass player and a guitarist, but he stepped away from his music by the time I got into kind of the, the teens. So for me, it was kind of me leading the way. So, and the lack of kind of... Um, knowledge, insight, support from a, you know, again, a musical standpoint, what I wanted to, to gain access to was kind of more mentorship, community support, being a part of something bigger than myself. And I saw a lot of drummers at the time getting endorsements and the backing of brands. So for me, it was like, hmm, you know, what is this? You know, I saw my guitarist getting a stick, uh, uh, sorry, a string deal. You know, I saw him getting a guitar deal. I was like, I would love some support anywhere I can, right? So like we all could. So ended up starting to look into different, um, you know, programs, different endorsement opportunities with the big box brands. Now for me, like many of us as drummers, I had a bit of a negative experience with them because unless you're the cream of the crop, the artist at the top, they're not willing to sit down and have a conversation with you. The dialogue aspect, the, you know, sitting down and really, under, you know, the, 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 the support that we all need as, you know, up and comers, independent grassroots talent. And for me, you know, I, I put it all on the line, my heart on the line, you know, putting in the applications, submitting the application like everyone does, and then tumbleweed in the mailbox or the inbox on the emails and no phone calls back. And it just makes you think like 16, 15, even still the, the doubt, it's like, oh, is it me? Do they not want me to be a part of this? Or, you know, what, what's going on? And then realizing the more I gigged and toured and played shows with different artists and, you know, support different artists and kind of, this is 
almost the nature of the beast. This is almost the expectation within the industries. They only ever want to work with artists at the top. If you do end up getting to work with them, just count yourself as a member. So for me, it was like, ah, oh, I wish there was a community brand out there. I wish there was a brand. And eventually I did come across one that was called Collision and they were based at the time in Australia. So this, you know, the brand that I ended up purchasing, acquiring and bringing into my life was a brand that I loved, was my first endorsement uh, deal. Ended up signing with them. They were based in Melbourne in Australia. The team that originally ran the company was amazing. Um, Give me my first break, my opportunity, because they, again, really true to their heart, just led with intention, led with artist support rather than anything else. And that's all I wanted to to be a part of, to feel not like a number, but to feel a part of something and to be someone. And, you know, had the artist support, had a voice at the end of the phone, had voice at the end of something like this, you know, a bit of a Zoom and support across their uh, FaceTime, things like that. Even though those guys were based on the other side of the world, they give me more support than more any local brands, any national brands could ever provide because they just wanted to hear me as a young artist. So that quickly, it transpired into me helping them network with other musicians across the country. Obviously, I, they, they, you know, and established these networks throughout my time gigging and performing. I ended up um, getting to a point where the team was sending so many sticks and products from Melbourne, it was costing them more in postage than it was making a profit for them. So eventually they said, we need to look for a distributor because the demand's there. The drumming of demand is where it needs to be now, pardon the pun. But it got to a point where they were looking for someone to kind of take lead. And I said, well, I volunteer as tribute. I'll, I'll get involved any way I can. And um, they said, you know, are you sure you want to make this happen at, at this age? I said, yeah, absolutely. 16, 17. And with the support of, you know, mom and dad, they said, yeah, absolutely. Took in the first inventory and started supporting these artists and ended up building this great clientele and book a business of about 100 indoor starts in the UK and started out performing with the distributors as well around the world. There was uh, distributors in Australia as well as, you know, the owner distributors in New Zealand, even the States, um, your home and Europe and across, you know, across the world and start out from those guys. And um, again, got to a point where, you know, the original owner fell out of love with what he was doing and ended up having the opportunity to work with a marketing company and get, he got headhunted essentially. And long story short, he said, I'm going to sell up or I'm going to close the company down. And for me, as a youngster, kind of putting my heart and soul into this and seeing this grow from the kind of ground up and being a part of the journey, the fire was still within me, Jesse. You know, that obsession was always there that we share as musicians. And I said, I cannot let this go. I cannot let this fold into a big brand because it's going to turn into something else that we don't want it to or it's going to kind of fold up. And I said, I would love to purchase this. I would love to take this on. You know, the the fuel in my heart is not burned out. And it just made sense for, for him to pack up. And he said, Honestly, I couldn't think of anyone better. And, you know, the rest is history. So I kind of took it over at 18, the start of college, went to law school. Whilst I was at law school, saw the potential. I had a business minor. So that really came in handy when I was building it around projects. And long story short, graduated on the Friday and then went to work for Collision full-time on the Monday. So that's kind of how I ended up starting, getting involved with Collision and then eventually acquiring and running with the company. Now, one of the things that you talked, there's a whole lot there that I would love to unpack, you know, but one of the things that you said was that you noticed that there was a need in the marketplace and you tried to figure out how to fill it. I think there's so many people out there that miss an opportunity to, you know, they, they're, they're looking to, they're looking to be a touring artist. They're looking to be a, a signed dancer. They're looking to work with all these big artists and they see a hole in the marketplace 
and they don't necessarily take initiative to fill it because they feel like they can't do it. Maybe they can't, maybe they can't fill it. Maybe they can't, you know, they don't know where to start for somebody that's like that right now, that might be, that might be aware of a hole in the marketplace that they very well could start to help or to be an answer for what kind of advice would you give those folks that are trying to figure out where to start? It's a really interesting question. Um, and I, th- I think it hits a lot of creatives, at a lot of different stages of their careers, right? You know, it really does. Um, I would say, take a moment, you know, pause, because I think a lot of us as creators, we just want to try and fix the solution straight away. I think it's the first thing we want to do is come up with 120 different ways, reasons why we should do it, why we shouldn't do it. I think as creatives, we're our, biggest champions, but at the same time, our biggest critics. So I think taking a moment to kind of take in the opportunity is is probably going to be your best bet. Just really understanding the whole opportunity as well. Because for me as as an artist, but me as a brand owner, I did not anticipate collision as the way it is now, the way it was when I took it over. I did not. There was no factoring in. There was no kind of consideration. It was a gut instinct. It was a head or heart moment. And that hindsight I would say kind of lead, yes, with your passion, lead with obviously where your wheelhouse and your expertise lies, but lead with, you know, good planning, you know, forward thinking as well. And when it comes to seizing said opportunity, I think a lot of artists miss out because they're chasing that end goal. They're chasing, I want to do this and this alone. I don't want to do anything else. So if something comes in, you know, in the middle of it, Jesse, and it's a great opportunity to kind of put it off or push it to the wayside and, I think many artists, musicians, performers look back and think, I wish I, you know, I should have, I could have, and, you know, don't. So I would say, yes, pause, but don't let that go beyond, you know, you, you know, whilst you're watching it, take it, seize it, run with it where possible. If at all possible, collaborate with people that can, you know, make things happen. You know, people who are smarter than you, I always try and bring in individuals where it's their zone of genius, their area of expertise. Again, that has come from experience because as a musician and as a creative and as someone who's an entertainer, I am the CEO. We are the CEOs. We are the chief everything officer, right? Where we want to be, you know, wearing and juggling so many hats and so many roles of the operation. And it's, we have a, we have a ceiling. We have a metaphorical glass ceiling where we just can't do everything. And we've just got to take a moment to realize that and, and for me, as someone who was a yes man, for someone who was just, I can do this, and it's just wired and programmed to my brain to just do it, not complain, and just get on with the task, it was really difficult to kind of transition that to, I need help. I need the support of someone else. And it was actually my partner that saw it before I saw it. And thank goodness that she was in a partner in life and in business, because if she hadn't been there, I'd have probably continued the way I was doing things. And that was as a solo entrepreneur. And I probably would have burnt out a long time ago. So it does take others to kind of point out your flaws internally. We're not all perfect. We're not all round beings. We, we need to be shaped over time. And I think that comes from expertise of others, the experience, the mentorship of others. So I know it's a kind of big recommendation and pieces of advice there, but please pick from it where you can. I think it's a combination of taking the opportunity, understanding the opportunity, seeking mentorship where possible building a team where possible and again from an investment standpoint if you can again bootstrap this from the ground up like i did with collision when it came to the brand and not many people know this i actually bought and sold drum kits on the side as well as gig 
to kind of make that happen. So when a lot of people say, oh, you must have got the you know investment from, no, I built it from the ground up when it came to buying and selling kits and saving up and holding on and conserving the money to be able to then go and buy that outright. It took a long time. It probably took longer than going and getting a third job because, you know, for me, I was just passionate about the music and could I have got there quicker? Yes, but let that be kind of advice to you guys to where and when possible, just make it happen whichever way you can. So that's some advice, Jesse. I think that can plant a seed today and hopefully grow into something down the road. Yeah. Now I want to, I want to touch on something too. You said something about the fact that you bootstrapped it. I think a lot of people hear this concept of bootstrapping a business, but I just want to put this into perspective right now. I mean, you grew when, when you say bootstrap and you literally grew this from the ground up. Yes, you had, you kind of bumped into it uh, from this guy over in, in Australia, but but they had still not really made any huge headway, especially over where you were at in the UK, right? So you did, in essence, uh, bootstrap it in the UK and then in Europe. And you started it out as nothing. And now, right now, it is the largest drumstick company in the UK and in Europe. So we're, we're talking, we're not talking some small chips here. You, you've really grown this country. It supports over a thousand artists in over 80 countries. And you endorse over 200 artists, uh, which I think is fantastic. But let's talk about this concept of bootstrapping and somebody that is looking to build a brand, looking to build a company because it is possible to do it and bootstrap it with no money. Because I think so many people say, well, I don't have the money. I don't have this. I don't have that. Tell me when you say bootstrapped it, how did you bootstrap it from not only product and manufacturing? How did you bootstrap your marketing? How did you bootstrap uh, you know, you're getting, getting the word out there. How did you bootstrap sales? Like what did bootstrapping look like for you? Yeah. I mean, to start with, and to your point, you know, the opportunity was already created, you know, it was already a developed brand at the time, but had they seen the opportunity like I had? Absolutely not. So when it came back to the kind of previous comments about, you know, advice around that, I would say as well, put yourself in an opportunity to accept an opportunity because I think so many people miss out on that. Right. Uh, when it came to bootstrapping this, I really started, I pre-started the journey ahead of kind of the business venture coming my way, which is, I think we can all get proactive on this, you know, whether it's um, putting yourself into an opportunity, whether it's inside a brand, inside an industry or not. For me, I, I just said, if I wasn't working on my own business, I'd be working within a business within the music industry, get me inside, get me advice, learning from the CEO directly where possible, learning from their teams and getting paid for the privilege, using that capital, saving that up, portioning it off, you know, expenses, you know, living, food, rent, whatever you've got to cover, you cover it, right? That's that's living, that's that's necessity, that has to happen. But then kind of control the controllables. Do you need to have that drink outside of, you know, work? Do you need to go down the road and have, you know, the cinema? Or do you need to go see the movies? Do you need to go have a bite to eat outside? If you want to make business happen, you will put that to one side, realize that that comes later and take action where it's appropriate, right? For me, that's what I did. I hope everybody right here just hear what Carlton said, because he's talking about discipline and it's something that we as creatives do not want to exercise. I'm just going to say that, but it's required when you're bootstrapping stuff. So keep going, bro. You're, you're right on the money. Absolutely. Discipline, 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 because if you're not going to hold yourself accountable, no one will. You know, if you don't treat yourself seriously, no client, no artist, no you know, endorser, no um, customer will treat you seriously either. So that is a powerful position. Discipline yourself, because if you can't hold yourself accountable, again, no one else will. So that's what I had to do. I had to hold myself accountable and say, look, 
if I want to, you know, be able, you know, if I want to be able to save up for a drum kit, I've got to save the money to make that happen. I can't rely on mom and dad. I can't rely on, I could, but do I want to? No, because that's integrity. That's, that's what integrity looks like. For me, it's my, my, my success on my terms, your success on your terms. So for me, it was a case of saving up the income, saving the show money, saving the band pot, like, you know, band pot went to breakables expenses. When a mic stand broke, when a cymbal got busted, that's what I would traditionally go to. But we looked after our gear. We packed down safely. We spent time looking after ourselves and the gear on the road. So when that band pot was needed, it wasn't needed because we always managed our gear and then it was distributed out accordingly. So that came into the, the flow of things. When it comes to you guys, you know, can you do a few extra hours, you know, on, you know, at the job you're working now? Can you pick up some consultancy opportunities? Can you, you know, teach? You know, this is these are things that we already have the skill set and the knowledge to do, Jesse. But it's, I think a lot of musicians aren't either comfortable or they're not prepared to put in the hard work to do that and to make that happen and 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 i think it's heartbreaking because i think so many more musicians would actually be on the journey of making this their full-time gig if they saw again the journey is the opportunity rather than the end result is the opportunity if they just if they just start to take steps towards the you know because i'm saying you know, i had a conversation with an artist the other day i'm doing a nine to five and i you know it, it's not something i love i want to be a musician great well what experience do you have Oh, I yeah, I got a you know teaching uh, this that the other kind of teaching qualifications. I'm good at this. There's a huge score for you to teach right now. Like the the way his um, day worked, the, the calendar, it, it was perfect for him to just teach, work on the side as well, and do. But he just was not feeling, and I was like, well, this is the thing. You know, we bring in experts into what we do, whether it's events, mastermind, things like that, um, and also within the community, just to kind of network with the younger drummers. And they tell arts time and time again, do the unrequired. If you do what's unrequired of you, you will make this your living. Like the only reason the artists are in a position that they are is because they stay back when others didn't. They put in the effort where others didn't. And again, it's, you know, do you want to be doing the nine, nine to five for, for the rest of your life, 30 years, 20 years, retire and live that? That's great. Do do I want to be doing that? Absolutely not. Does Jesse... I, that's Jesse's, you know, to Jesse. But for me, it's because we want to do what, and we have to do what we have to do. So for me, that's what I did. Saved the money, be, you know, through gigs, through Hello High Water, made it happen. Was able to kind of put the capital towards the company. Again, at the time, it was a few thousand dollars to make it work. Brought all the stock to the UK that was left. Brought the team. Again, it was it was VAs. It was a combination of VAs. It was a combination of, of brand assets. That was kind of what I was left with. And it was really a empty shell that was later carved into this brand. So long story short, we took it from where it was there and then we started building it back up. Kind of, we had to look at every aspect of the business. I didn't want kind of no stone left unturned as it were, because I felt like if I had left something to the old owners and CEOs, it was on my head if anything were to go wrong down the road, you know, that type of thing. So for me, we looked into the branding, we started to build our values up from the ground of quality, community, identity, three things very important to me and many of us as artists, you know, again, built what that meant to our team all on the website, kind of built out the, the web assets. And, and it's a combination of that and trial and error as well, Jesse. I mean, I'm not sure about yourself, but we went through three or four different website builders. We did the, you know, Shopify, big commerce, went to WooCommerce, had a custom coded site, went back to WooCommerce and built it from there. So, a combination of that. And, and to me, doing things on a budget is what bootstrapping means in its essence. You know, doing things that, you know, you could spend a few thousand dollars on, but is it necessary when you first get going? Absolutely not. And this is the thing. A lot of 
people kind of think and forget about is we have to blow a big budget. We have to seek investment immediately. We have to get in, you know, friends and family rounds, things like that to make things happen. Business doesn't have to be done that way. In fact, I know many investors that will say, do not come to me before you bootstrap this as far as you can go, <laughs> you know, as far as you can take it, as high as you can take a revenue. And then, you know, once you, you know, then let's talk once you've actually built a minimum viable product, once you build something that is generating revenue is, is moving forward, is showing sign of success, you know, or signs of success, maybe one or more, then let's talk. And, and for me, that's what I did. And today, you know, even though I had the opportunity to maybe procure that, Jesse, you'll be pleased not off my own back with the team. Thankfully, we, we made it happen. And again, I, I put a lot of the success that we've had as a company down to, you know, building a team, being able to save and just conserve and hold on to that cash and, and spend appropriately. When it came to marketing, all organic, all organic, literally until last November, literally after four years of business, we went then to a third party marketing agency and pulled out of it after a three month contract. For me, it wasn't working for the team. It wasn't the right fit. And we're back organic. So that's kind of full perspective, full circle. It just highlights kind of, again, we're still not done with the bootstrapping. What I mean by that is spending no money in to get results out. So for me, it's a case of literally we are doing everything through through free products, social media uh, platforms, things like that. So the majority of our, our business, the majority of our kind of um, promotional endeavor or marketing is done exclusively through Instagram. Like many of us, you know, I know a lot of artists that promote through Instagram. I know a lot of artists that promote through TikTok now because it's a really nice emerging platform for us as creatives, right? Um, but when it came, came to our brand, it was just perfectly suited for, you know, Instagram. A lot of the products that were there, the carousels, you could do different kit shots. You could do different drumstick, you know, product shots, options. Um, when it came to the catalog, we would create the catalog and really run with that. And um, type post content as well. There's a lot of untapped potential there that we really walk and talk our artists through as well. Um, and we built um, the really the platform from zero followers. And I remember getting the page and taking the accounts over a few hundred followers and thinking to myself, I've got a big task on my hands. You know, I've got to, you know, this is going to be a big endeavor because seeing the other brands, they were in the hundreds of thousands at the time and they've stayed in the hundreds of thousands while we've got into the tens of thousands. So we're quickly catching those guys up. But for me and the team, it's never been about competition. It's always been about collaboration over competition. So using the power of community to actually do the hard work and heavy lifting for us. So building from the ground up, you know, DMing artists one by one, building a rapport with each individual artist, spending weeks upon weeks, months upon months, doing that and making that happen. Because I think a lot of artists these days, Jesse, go for the instant gratification, right? Go for the kind of, you know, and assume that, you know, whether it's our brand or another brand or another artist or celebrity, they think to themselves, well, they're, they're an overnight success. That happened, you know, in a few short weeks or, or something equivalent. And it's actually... They had a life before, you know, what they were doing now. They, they spent a decade, 20, 30 years, thousands of dollars, you know, in, in training and support in products and buying the tools to be able to do and deliver what they're doing to make that happen. And I think these days in, with the tech and the digital, it can be a hindrance to many artists. But I think if we can break past the kind of facade on the front end and see the potential that these platforms have on the back end, I think that separates a good musician from a great musician um and yeah that's i can go into it as much as you like so <laughs> it's, it's it's great you and i are definitely on the same wavelength i'm all about collaboration I'm all about community i think we go 
uh, further, we go, we go, uh, we make a bigger impact together. Uh, so I'm, I love what you guys do. And that's why I'm super excited to talk about, you know, you, you kind of hinted at it, but I don't know if everybody caught it, but you're like, we help our artists. So, you know, one of the most unique things that I love about your company is that you're not just a drumstick company, but you're definitely living out your mission by not only helping drummers with their equipment, making sure they have the best sticks, but you're like, okay, let us, let us help you take that journey one step further and let's help you build a platform that you can actually monetize and you don't need to do it by only getting on big tours. Let us show you how to actually build a platform that you can monetize, find an audience and be able to impact that audience in return. You'll be able to make a living from that audience. Talk to me a little bit about one, why you, a product-based company, decided to go into this coaching space and help these musicians. Yeah, no, it's it's powerful. It, it really is. And, and to your point as well, you know, the, the idea of doing it in a way that's selling and serving, is, is it, it inspires me. I know it inspires a lot of people. In terms of how that happened, so flashback to last year, the pandemic hits, you know, again, a lot of drummers, as you know, as with a lot of us are left kind of thinking, what do we do? You know, plan B isn't there. You know, they're, they're turning to plan B. It just, it isn't the way it needed to be. It isn't where it, it was. Again, circumstances change where we're left thinking, scratching our heads going, what do we do next? So for many drummers, that was the position they were in. And I remember sitting there and thinking to myself as a team, like, you know, when it comes to the bands, the bands have stopped. <laughs> Gigs aren't going ahead. You know, yes, we've got a, a customer I can imagine or, you know, kind of projecting that drummers will hopefully be practicing at home, but that's not for certain. And I said, instead of worrying or sitting on our hands as a company, like many other brands did, Jesse, I said, what do we do for the artists? You know, how as a, as a team can we help the drummers and the musicians out there? Because they're the ones hurting right now. Those guys and their fans. Now, I always say the hero story because, you know, again, I think it's a myth. I think, you know, traditionally as musicians, we think we are the heroes of our own story, but ultimately our fans are the heroes of our own story. They're, they're the beating heart to what is to what we do. They're the reason why we do what we do. For us as a brand, our heroes are the drummers. So what can we be doing to give back to those guys to help them out of a bad situation that through no, no fault of their own, they were put within and we were all were. So we said, look, let's start building some community building events. Let's do whatever we can to get these guys in a room, albeit virtually, from the comforts of their own homes. Hey, they don't even have to leave their house to make it happen. So we started doing that. We, through the power of Zoom, fantastic technology, we started pooling together artists from around the world. And again, drummers, 99% of the time, for those who don't know, are at the back of the room, you know, where the only drum is typically in the room, right? So with, yeah, so so a lot of the time we don't have a voice. You know, we, we don't have conversation or dialogue with any other drummers. We, we know the guitarists, we know the singers more than we do, you know, drummers themselves. So the only time we get to kind of exchange any drum talk with other fellow drummers is at weekenders or when we're supporting another drummer, that type of thing. So I said, wouldn't it be wonderful to get you know, tens of drummers into a room talking, collaborating, maybe sharing experience and things like that, bringing a guest of honor, do that type of thing, Jesse. No one was doing it. We were looking to go part, you know, third party with someone. No one was doing this. And we said to ourselves, wow, you know, that's a shock first time for me. And like with the brand, I said, you know, if I felt like this, you know, again, I had to build the community to find the community, eventually acquiring it through, you know, bringing the you know collision brands. Again, 
let's not find the community, let, let's build the community. So we put together a string of different community events throughout last year, uh, every quarter on a quarterly basis. And we thought, you know, 50, 60 drummers might turn up, you know, from a few different countries when actually 250 drummers applied to be a part of this fantastic event on average from about 80, 90 different countries. So, yeah, absolutely. And that told us two things. Firstly, this is a must within this space. You know, we are hurting right now. Drummers everywhere. Again, the only drummers in the room, I would say, out mind back in the you know, hall. We need a platform to be heard. We need a spotlight put on us. We thought we were doing enough as a brand. Boy, did that give us a wake, you know, give us a wake up call and said, look, this is a huge opportunity service. I don't think we're fulfilling our integrity, fulfilling our mission if we don't tap into this market because it's just, again, so perfect to support drummers up and coming aspiring musicians to learn, collaborate and grow. So we said that plus the fact that the feedback we were getting, because we are always in this feedback loop. And I recommend everyone be in this feedback loop where we, again, are always on the phone with our clients and our customers. For me, if a client doesn't check out, I will ring them personally. And I will say, what's going on? How are you doing? How can we better support you? Is there something on the site you like or not? If not, why? And always just getting information, always just getting kind of the insight to be able to provide a better service to current, existing, previous clients. And it's the same when it came to this, this opportunity. So drummers coming off the back of the uh, community events, we said, wow, powerful. Being able to network with the drummer here in the UK from the States, vice versa, being able to trade opportunities there. Jesse's a drummer in you know the States. I'm a drummer here in the UK. I have a client, but I can't service that client. Maybe Jesse can, connecting them up and making that happen and then hoping Jesse would do the same for me, doing one turn, you know, a good turn and hoping another would flow back, pouring into one to get, you know, a result out of another. And that's that synergy, that's that alignment that we all as musicians were seeking last year, which was finally presented to us. And we just thought, look, rather than doing this once a quarter or every other month, why don't we do this every week, every day, build a platform where we could come together as a community, collaborate, grow, as a company, we have expert experience and expertise. As a musician, I have, you know, hundreds of, you know, pieces of knowledge, takeaways, years and decades of experience. I thought, let's build this. Let's build a platform, almost a Netflix for drummers, where they could come, seek out the knowledge, grow together, connect with other musicians, and just take it a step further and level up as a musician. And that's what we've gone and done. You know, we built this platform, uh, Collision Backstage. That has then resulted into a mastermind for uh, VIP and select clients. So that, that's been wonderful as well. We're taking part-time drummers and focusing less on what they're playing because as far as we're concerned, they're doing great. They're playing, they're having fun. We're focusing more on the business side of their music, Jesse, and, and you know, and, and to those artists at home through, you know, again, those artists that go through the fire, learn, you know, as musicians, the independent way, the hard way, you know, we want to cut the learning curve if, you know, and I know you mentioned this already, Jesse, but you know, not to put piggyback a porch off the back of what you're saying, but together you grow farther and you go, grow stronger and you succeed more together than you do as individuals. I completely subscribe to that belief. And that's, again, when it comes to the artists who are looking to join something like that and be a part of something bigger than themselves, it's just seamless and it's effortless. And so many drummers look at us and go, where have you been? You know, wh why am I yet to find you? And, and that's what we've been calling kind of the industry's best kept secrets. And we're here, we're creating this movement. It's my ambition to scale us to new heights and support drummers as well any way we can but yeah we're doing it through modules and then we have workshops as well so three times a month we get on a goal setting session a q a and then we bring an expert and which is my highlight and i know the drummers highlights um of their month bringing people into the room that they would never have had an opportunity to or if they did it would have been through a drum clinic or a music clinic where the experts at the front were at the back were sitting on the edge of our seat wanting to you know ask a question 
but we never get around to doing it. And now we put the drummers and the artists in the middle of the room and make it happen for them. So it, it, it really is a powerful, um, you know, experience is powerful platform. And again, we're just learning and we're being open to the idea of learning again and kind of seeing what the, you know, the drummers want and then feeding back off the back of it. Yeah, man. I love what you guys are doing. And uh, I am a huge advocate for every creative, whether you're an art, whether you're a recording artist, you're a, a musician, you're a, a dancer, you know, a comedian, an actor, actress, you need to build your own platform and learn the ins and the outs of the business. Because even if that commercial opportunity comes to you, uh, I know so many people right now that, you know, they have these commercial opportunities and they have not taken the advantage of the platform they've created with those commercial opportunities. And when the all, all things broke loose, you know, last year, there was so many people that were doing very well that all of a sudden weren't making any kind of money. They weren't, they didn't know what to do because they didn't know how to serve an audience that was already fine, was already following them. And so what you guys are doing is completely amazing. I love what you guys are doing. So if people want to connect with you further, learn more about your, your, your drum company, learn more about your mastermind program, where can they find you? Absolutely. Um, guys, if you want to check out anything that we've been talking about, uh, www.collisiondrumsticks.com. Um, if you want to go membership, you want to have a look at the mastermind, collisiondrumsticks.com forward slash mastermind. If you want to have a look at the membership, collisiondrumsticks.com forward slash membership. Uh, Instagram at collisiondrumsticks and at collisiondrumsticks across every social media platform as well. Awesome, man. Well, listen, we'll make sure and put that in the show notes so people can find you. But I just so much appreciate all the value that you added to the audience. Uh, this conversation was awesome. And I am super excited to see where you guys are going to be from 12 months from now, because I think... Uh, I think you're going to be knocking on some pretty big uh, drum companies doors here uh, if they don't be careful. So keep serving your audience. Keep doing what you're doing, man, because we appreciate you over here at My Creative District. So thanks for coming on. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you to everyone. Again, the whole team, thank you so much for the opportunity in the platform, Jesse, as well. Really excited. Great things happening on your end as well. And yes, I hope to be back. You know, if you can uh, do a catch up and a follow up, I'd love that. I know Again, we, we, we're starting a conversation today. There's so much to unpack. So I'm looking forward to hopefully catching up with you really soon. All right, brother. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the My Creative District podcast with your host, Jesse Paul Smith. Here, we turn your passion into profit. Follow us on Facebook and stay tuned for another episode of the My Creative District podcast podcast.